Broadcasting live from Wednesday in a cafe, this is Pop Culture Reference, your one-stop reference for all things pop culture. I'm one of your hosts, Seamus Connolly. And I'm your other host, Garrett Strother. Today, we're going to be joined by two Taylor Swift aficionados, our friends, Grace and Maverick. How's it going, guys? I am so happy to be here. You don't even know it. We're thrilled to talk about uh, Red Taylor's version today for our main segment, but first we're going to move into a little bit of news. Starting first with the brand new Spider-Man No Way Home trailer, which has a lot of stuff going on in it. I, I didn't even really maybe need to see this trailer to be like ready and excited for this movie, but this is this is just confirming a lot of fun stuff that I've been looking forward to. Grayson Maverick, what do you guys think? I'm still in shell shock over Zendaya falling off the building. Um, If it, Zendaya dies... It won't be pretty. I will need 40 business days to recover from <laughs> Zendaya's death. Thank you. Um, so. <laughs> Quite literally. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to see how they tackle all the different villains and then how Doctor Strange plays into this and how this eventually plays into Multiverse of Madness. I agree with that, even though I'm kind of a Marvel noob, as I will call myself, but I am very excited nonetheless. Seamus, are we Marvel vets? Or is that... Maybe. <clears throat> I would say definitely you more than I even, because I've said it before, I only really got into the fold around 2012 when Avengers came out, probably. But you were like, that was your like birthday event, was going to see those OG ones, right? It was, yeah. I went to see Thor for my 13th birthday. That seems like a billion years ago, you old man. This trailer's been in the news a lot. It's been the subject of a lot of memeage, because... You know, it's pretty obvious at this point that Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire are going to be in this movie. Oh, there was yeah. that Brazilian cut where they forgot to edit <laughs> out uh, the lizard getting kicked by nothing. I would say that obviously that's going to be another Spider-Man, as it were. A lot of people oh, are yeah, for sure. guessing that Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker might be the one to save MJ falling off this roof, redeem himself for absolutely annihilating his girlfriend spoilers <laughs> for the amazing spider-man listen, 2 listen don't make that, that's what worse. i was gonna say he tried well yeah now it's, he's gonna redeem himself and it's gonna be all great and everybody's gonna forget that he let his gwen stacy get totally sculled on the f- yeah exactly she, her her skull got broke it was very tough to see that. Broke. <laughs> Straight up smashed. <laughs> it, was like, it was brutal. That scene is legit oh, messed is. up. Oh, man. I'm not seeing Amazing Spider-Man 2. Is Shailene Woodley MJ in that, or what? Or were her scenes cut? I don't remember, I don't remember. man. I, I saw that movie once, and truly the only thing I remember is the stupid Rocky 3 freeze frame ending cut to black. And the death of Gwen, and I, I can't remember anything past that. Who's even the villain in that movie? Oh, yeah, right, Electro. Weird-looking Electro. And Green Goblin and Rhino. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, Rhino doesn't count. Paul Giamatti always counts, Seamus. I'm sad Paul Giamatti wasn't in this new trailer, if I'm being honest. They got everybody back. I saw a, a, a tweet that was the lizard in his like kicked position where he's looking over his shoulder (laughs) and it says, what do you mean we left Rhino behind? (laughs) Oh God. I'm, I'm still holding out hope. Whatever, whatever after credits scene they have in store for this movie specifically is going to just like destroy us. Well, we've only got five of the sinister six right now, right? We've got doc, Ock, green goblin, Sandman, electro and lizard. So presumably there oh. will be a sixth, 
The popular theory is that that is going to be Venom. I think they're probably right about that, as much as I hate to say it. Well, yeah. Venom. Oh, do you guys, are you a Venom fan? They're trying. I know. I need to see them before I judge them more. And I do, I do like Tom Hardy, but. We're going to have to subject ourselves to those before we watch this new one, though. So. Oh, there we go. That's our marathon. We're going to do all Spider-Men, Raimi to uh, Far From Home. That'd be fun. And, we'll, and the I Venoms. would love that. And oh, Venoms. yes. And the Venoms, of course, of course. I do that because get, they'd get good again marathon. at the end. That's very true. And I, I was going to say, Maverick, you guys don't have a choice anymore. You're roped into this this nonsense. Amazing Spider-Man and all. Actually, Maverick, we Fritz, did... and I recently rewatched The Amazing Spider-Man. Yes, we did. And oh. it was an experience. Again, haven't seen it since maybe the one time in the theater. And I, I don't remember hating it. I like the lizard in general. Yeah, it's fine. Our last bit of news is that Natasha Lou Bordizzo has been cast to play Sabine Wren in the upcoming live-action Disney Plus Ahsoka series, which I'm excited for confirmation that Sabine is going to be in the show. I'm a big, big Rebels guy. I'm kind of bummed that Tia Sakar didn't get brought on because she is a live-action actress. You know, she's great on The Good Place. Does she voice Sabine in the show? Yeah, um, evil Eleanor from The Good Place is oh. um, is Sabine. No kidding. Oh, that is okay. awesome. I know Seamus is in the midst of Rebels right now. I think, Grace, you have a vague awareness of Rebels and its characters? Yeah, I've seen, like, episodes, not in order. I know this is literally, like, a crime, but... And I've been on, like, Star Wars TikTok, so... And I know absolutely nothing. Oh, man. I, I gotta tell you, I'm I'm very late into the game, just getting into season three now so many years after that show ended but i you guys you got to you got to jump on it it's so good especially i mean are I'm either of you a uh, mandalorian to... mandalorian people oh yeah then oh yeah but, for sure i was i was half like, expecting me out. the mandalorian no 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 um rebels every episode <laughs> <laughs> baby chopper is always in danger and that does not sit well with me sabine is the mandalorian who is on the crew of the Ghost in Star Wars Rebels with Hera, Kanan, Ezra, Zeb, and Chopper. Yeah, she's like the graffiti artist Mandalorian. She's kind of cool like that. That's her whole thing. At one point, she's she wields the cool. Darksaber. She and Ahsoka are kind of tight. She and Bo-Katan are kind of tight. Anybody well, have final thoughts? I'm excited to see Sabine in action. I mean, I'm just excited for the Ahsoka show. I feel like the last year or two, she's gotten a lot more popular as a character. Which is great, especially because like all the Star Wars incels are like, I hate her. I hate women. But <laughs> I'm glad she's finally getting her justice in the show. She's yeah, I can't wait for it. But should we move on to today's main segment? Of course we should. Maverick's ready. <laughs> He's like, I'm bored of Star Wars. Shut up. <laughs> for today's main segment, we're going to be talking about the new release of Red, Taylor's version. The next re-recorded album by Taylor Swift re-going through her old discography. We're going to defer to you, our guests, Grace and Maverick, uh, to tell us exactly how you want to break down this album. Do you want to go through chronologically? Do you want to talk about the vault tracks? Do you just want to do more of an overview? I guess I haven't thought that far. This is also my first <laughs> podcast. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> that's totally okay. I... Sometimes, I mean, with something like this, it's not like 
there are no spoilers or anything. So if you just wanted to jump around to whatever like really right. struck you I mean, guys, I know this this album came out like a week ago. I don't know how many times you guys have listened yeah, to it. Shamus, each. Did you finally listen? Yes, I absolutely did, and I watched the short film, which was very lovely. Your new favorite uh, director, Taylor Swift. Yeah, writer, director, multi-hyphenate badass Taylor Swift. <laughs> It's, it, it was lovely, but honestly, I didn't realize that this was such a long album when I when I put it on. It's a long album. Two hours and ten minutes is what it clocks in at. Yeah, that's insane. God, um, it's really interesting because if we go back to June 2021, where everybody thought that she was going to release 1989, all of a sudden it was... And I think it's really important to note this. The day that this was announced was Scooter Braun's birthday, Ooh. which is really funny. <laughs> so, and, and also 22 weeks until when the album was supposed to be released originally at that air date before Taylor switched it. Um, and one thing you should know about Taylor Swift is that she never does anything unintentionally um, because she's insane in the best way. <laughs> well, that's debatable. Um, it, it kills us a little, but it's fine. So I guess like the biggest thing we should talk about is that this album is 30 tracks long. Like we said. Two How o- many vault tracks? There Ten? Nine. Nine vault tracks? Um, there are nine because Ronan is not a vault track. Right. So I guess we should start with the vault tracks probably. So we can start with Ronan, I guess, which technically, as we said, isn't like a vault track, but we've heard it before, but it's finally on an album. Yes. When Taylor writes an album, she is very ambitious, and she writes, like, say, like, an album, like, a typical album is 12 to 15 songs. Taylor writes, like, 40, and then she, like, cuts it <laughs> down, which is insane. And for Red specifically, she wrote about 30 songs. Um, and the vault tracks are basically the songs that her record label at the time made her cut, either because they were too close to other songs in the album, or they just didn't fit the vibe mm-hmm. that it was going for. Specifically with Red, too, she had to cut a lot of, like, people have been raving about um, Message in a Bottle and The Very First Night, which are more like pop songs. And Red was kind of like her last country-ish album before fully transitioning into pop. So they made her drop those songs off the album because they're too more pop music. Um, But Ronan specifically, if we talk about that, um, was a charity single for a little boy whose name is Ronan. He died of some form of cancer that I don't remember off the top of my head, but he was four years old when he died. Um, And she wrote that single for his mom. Literally, it is the saddest song in the entire world. And if I listen to it, I will sob like a baby. So if you ever need a good cry, it's a song to listen to. That is for sure. So that's basically that. Ronan was not on any album up until now, but it was included in this um, by permission of the the mom. Her name is Maya, I believe. So it's super, super depressing. But this whole album is kind of on the depressing end, I would say. Um, Yeah, probably four songs. It's just like, what if you were sad in fall? (laughs) Wow, that is incredibly accurate. My God. Well, Grace, I guess I should ask you this. Like, what's your favorite vault track? Um, okay, so if we're, like, talking, one, when I listen to when I'm sad, is nothing new, which Mm -hmm. is, like, literally, like, are you the oldest child, and you have all of your, like, worth in achievements? (laughs) Listen to this song. You'll cry. You'll cry. (laughs) Um, that, and then, obviously, I absolutely adore The Very First Night. After that album came out, we listened to it in Garrett's room. I literally blasted it the entire next day. Yeah. It's so good. It's such a... Such a bop. It's it was like songs like that would have ran twenty twelve. I don't. Oh, like, 20, I, that song would have killed me in twenty twelve. Like, 
12 year old me would have been like oh this is the best thing ever and i literally would have never listened to anything else when i had my red cd my favorite vault tracks are and i'm not including the time at all as well in this because i feel like that's its own category that's just it's a different category of song Um, um i really enjoy like better man and babe they were written for other artists right like babe was for babe was written for sugarland yes and Better Man was written for a band called Little Big Town. Oh, really? Um, yeah, yes. So, like, I've already heard these songs sung by other artists for, obviously, blasting the CMT top 20 <laughs> in home. I think Better Man actually won Country Music Awards Song of the Year. We should also talk about the I Bet You Think About Me music video. Oh, man. So many so Easter eggs. <laughs> I Bet You Think About Me is one of the vault tracks um, featuring Chris Stapleton. And she, the Monday after the album came out, said... I'm releasing a music video for this. <laughs> Directed by Blake Lively, which is amazing. Oh. It also features Miles Teller, which like 2014 could not handle that. 2012 like, me would have been like... So yeah, Dylan O'Brien and Miles Teller, like dystopian novels could never. <laughs> dystopian novels. But the music video was insane. It was probably the craziest she's ever been in a music video. I would yeah, argue. she like, flipped off the camera. She flipped off the camera in the music video. <laughs> and she just dropped a lot of hints for like Speak Now, hopefully. And on her website too, she just had the album was available for $20.10. And it was in purple font. So fingers crossed. You might have to explain <laughs> that to me, but that sounds like it's very specific. Uh, Speak Now's like, album cover is purple. And okay, it came okay. out in 2010. Got it, got it. Does she do like ARGs and stuff for her music? I feel like she'd be good at that. You are definitely going to have to tell me what What's an, an ARG. ARG? <laughs> wow, we are like two ships passing in the night on this episode. <laughs> you have all, both have information that means nothing to the other in, in a lot of ways. <laughs> We're just waving as we go by. ARG, alternate reality game, little hints and clues like that. She's going to do one of those oh, one day oh. and we'll all stay up for like a week straight with corkboard and red string and we'll like That's figure out whatever mystery whenever she posts a tiktok dude <laughs> anytime she posts anything because she's not very active on social media taylor is. swift is the riddler in the new batman movie <laughs> i would watch that honestly i would watch the hell out cast, of that i would watch that yeah yeah anytime she posts anything it's never because she's just posting it's always has some secret meaning behind it like before <laughs> wildest dreams dropped everything on her website was um priced 1989 she really likes that price tease I like that a lot. And also, the music video featured Taylor crashing a wedding of Miles Teller and his actual wife. His, like, actual wife. His actual wife. is <laughs> funny. Oh, wow. Because um, Speak Now, the song Speak Now is about Taylor crashing a wedding and saying she's still in love with the groom and then running away. So, we're like, oh my gosh, this is a hint. Especially in the music video, she's wearing this big red dress, which looks exactly like the one on the Speak Now Deluxe album. Was um, the Speak Now Deluxe yeah, album a Target exclusive? I think it might have been back in the day. Back because the I day. remember my sister getting that. I'm looking it up real yeah. quick because I want to know. I believe so. Back then, Taylor's, all her exclusives were usually at Target. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly still now, even. Even now. You... Sometimes Walmart, but mostly. Is there a reason for any of that? Because the Target's logo is red? What is the deal? She's Just... had a partnership with them for a really long time. Target's been loyal and true. Absolutely like beautiful. Every... I think we could talk about the, the very first night, how she doesn't specifically rhyme. Oh. It's so sus. So basically, in the very first night, the lyric is I don't know the word. We both fell. You don't know about the Polaroid picture. They don't know how much I miss you. And so that's Instead of saying her, and which lo- would rhyme perfect. A lot of people think it's supposed to be her instead of you because it doesn't rhyme. She doesn't go yeah to like 
make yeah. it rhyme. She says, you... Also, to preface this, Swifties have been pressuring to Swift to come out as gay for so long. I was going to say, and there's like, a really long history, I feel like, between Taylor Swift and perceived queer baiting and pressures on her to be queer. Yeah. This is and all news to me. And us, and us talking about the is not us saying like that she is or that she isn't. So people are like convinced that this is sapphic and that it was intentionally removed to avoid that. But personally, I have seen people discussing this and that the reason it's you is because the whole song is talking about you. So they're like, it would be weird to say her if they're not talking about a her at all. That's true. Um, it, I mean, yes, it might have rhymed. When you look at all the lyrics, they never talk about the third person. They're always talking about you. But Swifties have taken that and totally ran with it to the point where they've edited TikTok audios of her saying her instead of you i've definitely seen those a few times oh i've seen it yeah yeah i love maverick being like let's turn to the experts and it's TikTok. <laughs> TikTok. hey that's not the experts but that's just what i listen, see listen listen <laughs> hey. tiktok can be a good pop culture reference hey we're on tiktok there's so. no shade about tiktok here i just thought it was funny yeah. is there anything else of the vault tracks grace that we need to mention run we can talk about run the first song taylor and ed ever did together and it is very reminiscent of Ed's old sound from like 2010s of when his music was good. Ooh, no sir. shade at Ed Sheeran. <laughs> That's no shade? Come on. There's some shade there. I still like his new album. It's just, it's not comparable to like Tenerife C or the A-Team or Plus or Five. You know what I mean? I don't know what you mean. I'm not an Ed Sheeran fan. Also, I love that both of you are very comfortably on that first name basis with both Taylor and Ed. Without yeah, really I actually text them. We're yeah, besties. Yeah. My sister it, went to see the Red Tour, and Ed Sheeran opened for Taylor Swift. I remember that. And that Damn. this is back That's when he insane. was the A Team guy on the uh, like normal album. Um, there's a song called Everything Has Changed, which is the one that ended up on the album. Because Run, literally, they're talking about running from the law. It's like Sound, Getaway Car. It's like Part One. It is like Run walked, so Getaway Car could run that makes no sense but no, getaway yeah, cars reputation <laughs> song Seamus just so you know <laughs> got it got it running from scooter brawn well first i guess i should ask you two if you have anything to mention from your listen what stuck out to you i want to hear your thoughts but if they're bad don't say them interesting garrett do you have any critiques <laughs> that um, you were you're gonna get destroyed garrett, for? you better board this very carefully uh <laughs> I will say, I felt like everything on Fearless for me, which if you haven't gone back and listened to our Fearless episode with my sister, who came on and introduced us to this whole Taylor Swift re-recording thing, please go go back and check that out. But Fearless, I felt like every song on that album was a very worthy replacement for the song on the previous album. I thought it, it was, at times, an enhancement. I do feel like there are a couple of songs on here that don't quite have the energy that the first ones did mm. or at least a slightly different one like i think stay 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 feels a little different than the original version i no. can see it especially because like stay 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 is just an innocent pure song and it's being at the time being sung by like a 20 year old which is very different from being like 31 i still 30. like the new stay 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 version don't get me wrong i also really enjoyed the vault tracks i especially liked better man yeah, I thought that was a sleeper as well. I had never heard of that song ever, and that, that definitely really picked me up on the back half of that album. I thought this was a very long album, and I think <laughs> that... It's almost like it was two hours. It's like an Avengers <laughs> <Yeah>. movie. <laughs> truly, truly. And 
I will say that I very much enjoyed almost every song that was on here. I think that they were very good. Uh, stay, stay, stay. If you remove the lyrics, to me, it sounded like the music that podcasters put on for like their ad reads, like the royalty-free <laughs> ad music a little bit. Uh, that's really funny. so accurate. <laughs> some Get Fresh? I, I was watching all the lyric videos, actually, of this album on YouTube, and the same stupid TikTok ad came on every single time. When that song came on, I thought there was a new ad finally for a second, and then, you know, it, it all kicked in. Halfway through this album, I wrote down in my notes, is Taylor Swift sappy? And then I quickly answered that again with, uh, maybe. And then I also said, if I listened to this in high school... Would I have maybe resonated with it a lot because it is all very sappy? And I said also yes mm-hmm. in my notes. Kind of like what you guys were saying earlier. Um, probably if I listened to her more when this was actually coming out, I would have probably been more on your page right now. Um, yeah, Seamus. I'll hop on the Swifty train. We'll be back. I could, I could get there. Oh, soon. for sure, for sure. I hope we get more little <laughs> short films. I also enjoyed that short film we got. Yeah, let's talk yeah, about the all Yeah, you guys are like well real film, film people. Yeah, what did you think about I, the film? I thought it was good. I thought, what's her name from Stranger Things? I looked up her name Sadie so I didn't have to Sadie do this. Sink. I think she is great. I think she needs to be in maybe everything and not uh, have me remember her as the girl from Stranger Things because she's very talented. I've always been captivated by her on Stranger Things because she's a better actor than all the other kids on Stranger Things. <laughs> is that it? Is that Brown. it? I think she's really great in this, and the non-verbal acting is something I think that mm. it's really important for her to be that age, I think, which we can talk about the meta-narrative going on with this album, which we haven't even touched on yet. Um, and I think this is a good yeah, entry point to Gyllenhaal. do so. But I think the nonverbal acting in this is something that is hard to find in an actor as young as Sadie Sink is. And that she does it really, really well. Grace of Africa, do you want to talk about? I don't even know if Seamus knows about. I 100% right. do not. So please lay it on me. All too well, supposedly, and maybe. this is not confirmed in any sense. Yes, because um. anytime they get asked about it, they're like, oh, my character's name was Brandon. And, like, I mean, like, you can, like, piece it together from the time frame. But other than one song ever, she doesn't usually tell people who songs are about. But people have assumed that this song, the song All Too Well, is about her relationship with Jake Gyllenhaal. So something important with that is, like, what you guys mentioned, Sadie Sink in the music, she's 19 right now. And who played the other lover in the music video was Dylan O'Brien, who's, like, 30. So that's the same exact age difference that was between Taylor Swift and Jake Gyllenhaal when they started dating. So it's, oh in, like, God. you know, you're watching this, and you're like, why does this feel so gross? Right, because he groomed a child. Um. <laughs> um, Jake Gyllenhaal and Taylor Swift in, like, real life only dated for about three months in, like, what, 2010? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> Um, so, like, it was a really long time ago, but she wrote the song all too well on the Speak Now tour, I believe, and she had originally written the song to be about 10 minutes long. However, obviously, Big Machine was like, actually, you can't do that. It will not fit on a CD. Like, you need to cut that down. So, Liz Rose, who is a songwriter, um, helped her cut the song down from 10 minutes to about five, which is what ended up on the album as her infamous track five, which is always her sad song on every album. I mean, not that there aren't other sad songs, but it's always, like, the particularly sad oh, track five sad one. is usually, like, <laughs> yeah, you um, want to be sobbing on the floor? Yes. Listen to track five. Yes. <laughs> um, so it ended up on the album. In an interview, 
she had mentioned that, oh, the song used to be 10 minutes long. And everyone's like, um, are you ever going to release it? And she's like, I don't know, you know, but Taylor Swift always has things going on in her head. And the whole time, like with the re-recordings, it got brought back up again. And people were like, I wonder if she's ever going to release the 10 minute version of All Too Well. Um, and then when Red Taylor's version got announced in June, um, at the end of the post that she made, she said, oh, and one of the songs is 10 minutes long. Heart. Heart. And then she literally <laughs> pieced out for like a month. <laughs> uh, that's <laughs> awesome. Everyone kind of knew what it was because like she had mentioned it. But then people like were making jokes like, what if it's like stay, 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 10 minute version? <laughs> I would kill for a stay, 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 10 minute um, version. Like, I would literally uh, kill someone. Then it ends up on the album. And then like what was like a week before the album came out? she announces the short film. I remember I literally screamed. I was just really excited to see her directional debut because she's always been really good about leaving these small little hints, these little Easter eggs around just with like posters and things she puts in her album. So I was excited to see what she did in the music video. Yeah, and she's meticulous, definitely. She's got a directorial mind, and I think that this film is really impressive. The craft is really impressive. Shot on 35 millimeter. I'm not crazy about some of the visual choices they did, like having some of the artificial film perforation on the edge of the frame or whatever, but it's a really impressive debut, I think, for a director. Obviously somebody who's been in the media realm working on music videos and stuff for a long time. It would be second nature, I would think. I'm sure she's going to blossom into probably features at some point. I, I feel like that would be very interesting to see her kind of go bigger scale than just a 15-minute short, especially because she wrote and directed it. And I know you guys are kind of telling me that this is based on a lot of, well, maybe possibly based on a lot of uh, true events, but even that very small but intense dialogue between the two in this short was very well done. That's also probably due in part to these actors being very good, but I was just very thoroughly impressed about her handle on everything. The scene. kitchen scene, dude. Oof. So good. I was so like, never can I watch it together. And we're like, that definitely verbatim happened. I'm oh, saying it. We now. were sitting there. And we're like, oh this, yeah. Her mind is so insane. I bet you she remembered the exact interaction that they had, and she's like, okay. I was so captivated by it all, and and like the book, yeah, the all too well, book. the all too well book that's probably mm. gonna drop when she <laughs> has these music videos. Like she leaves little Easter eggs. She's like, I planned them out for three years in advance. They dated eleven years ago, right? 2010 was about 11 years ago. In the film, she... When they do the time skip. Years, 13 years passed. Now, Taylor Swift's obsessed with number 13, but that really isn't the reason, I think. Like, we genuinely believe that that means something will We're happen. We're going to get a Taylor Swift book in, in 2020. Two years. Yeah, 2023. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people think that, that might, that's what that means. I don't know. I just think it's interesting that she... I wouldn't changed. be shocked if she went into writing, like, novels. I mean, she's a great songwriter. Yeah. Who knows? She's unhinged in the best way if you will permit me a brief tangent i know i've already discussed this with grace and a little bit with you maverick some of the the things that i caught in the short film that i think seamus would take interest in one is i feel like in the brief dialogue scene that we do get dylan o'brien is definitely doing jake gyllenhaal he's like got the cadence going i need to rewatch this with gyllenhaal in mind i think because i i had no idea Well, the other two things that I think are very interesting are, one, you have the ending, which seems pretty straightforward, which is we have this time jump where Taylor Swift, the real world analog of the Sadie Sink character, obviously, as the songwriter, the director, everything, is doing this book reading. And out the window, you see who is implied to be the grown-up version of Dylan O'Brien's character, but you never see his face. So immediately... 
causing the audience to consider if Taylor Swift, who's the real life analog for this character, is playing the character in the short, who would the real life analog be? So like intentionally opening the door to that meta narrative discussion, I think is really mm. interesting. And then going farther back with that, I don't know if you caught the Seamus. They kiss in front of the fireplace in a very distinctive pose. I that am not so sure bad, at all. Knowledge of it before. Yes, yeah, I, know it I am bad. so confused. Um, the upside down Spider Man kiss. Style. They Spider Man kiss. Oh yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 Which you will, of course, know both of these things. I think that Jake Gyllenhaal both dated Kirsten Dunst while she was in Spider Man and was supposed to take over for Toby in Spider Man Two. What? These are things that. I have never encountered before. This is new information for me. That really? is very I'm shocked strange. To know that you yeah, don't that's know those things. That is wild. That okay, more more intention than ever in that in that very interesting choice. Oh, Again, oh. I'd like to see her really go off. I want to see her write some some dramatic romantic fiction from her mind. Not maybe less so based on Jake Gyllenhaal, who is was recently a very high up there actor for me, and is slowly losing a lot of weird respect Good. as we go. I saw a tweet that was like, "It's been a rough year for the sack lunch bunch," and it was John Mulaney and Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> is Mr. Music co- Mr. Music okay? <laughs> no, Mr. Music's not okay <laughs> <laughs> mr oh. music is canceled is not something i ever thought i would get from that sack lunch bunch seamus well, also we were talking about night at the museum before the recording did you catch who dylan o'brien's dad is or no it's not dylan o'brien's dad it's sadie sink's dad in the music video wait no who's the dad it's sean levy director of classics like night at the museum and the pink <laughs> panther what that is so weird that is incredible He's- He's also a producer um, and director on Stranger Things, so makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense then. Wow. Yeah. Do you? You guys caught more things than that. <laughs> I would have. When Haley and I watched it with him, he paused every single time the credits came up so you could read them all. Which I'm not like shading. Like I know you're gonna do that. <laughs> but basically, I I adore the short film, and I'm so happy that we got it because it was a wonderful, wonderful thing. And the ten minute all too well does not feel like a ten minute song. No. Um, I'm like, is there more? When she talks about, like, the never-needy, um... A never-needy, ever-loving jewel, she calls herself, who shine reflects on you. I was like, I'm gonna be this person, I'm gonna rope the great Gatsby into everything I do. It just felt like something, like, Daisy would say. My favorite lyric from the 10 minute all too well, I would say, all's well that ends well, but I'm in a new hell every time you double-cross my mind. You said if we had been closer in age, maybe it would have been fine, and that made me want to die. That made me want to die. I I literally passed away when she sang that. If you had seen me circa last Friday um, in this room, I was literally jaw dropped for about 10 minutes when we were listening to it. After a quick little nap between. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I have literally listened to it so much. It's actually projected to go number one on the Billboard charts next week. So. Ooh, very nice. Excellent. Well, do we have any final thoughts on Red Taylor's version? It deserves its 5 out of 5 from the Rolling Stone. Yes, I agree with that. Red originally, I feel like, had like some skips, like Girl at Home original version. You the redone version, like it was mixed with Elvira, so it's more like a dancing song now. It got rid of my skip, so. It's like it's 2012 in my basement again. Literally. Listening to my, my little like CD and my little boombox. And now I can relate to it all so much more and buy alcohol, so. (laughs) (laughs) 
probably like a lot like what I said in the first Taylor Swift episode we did here. I'm just very happy that it's getting all the success that it is getting. I'm happy to hear that it's predicted to be number one. Uh, it makes me happy that she can reclaim all of her music like this in such a successful, right. big, booming way. This could have very well just been more of a easier re-release, but she's taking so much time and effort to really fully put herself into this uh, all over again, and it, it definitely shows. And again, bravo to that uh, short film. I'm, I'm really looking forward to the next one. Let's kick it on over to our pop culture reference of the episode. This week's pop culture reference is Taylor Swift's transition from country music to pop music. Grace Maverick, what do you have for us this week? So we just finished talking about Red Taylor's version, which was pretty much like the dead center of her transition between more of a country sound with a twang in her voice to a full-on pop album, which her next album after Red is 1989, which we all know is like one of the best pop albums ever written, personally in my opinion, which is, you know, facts. (laughs) Um, So obviously her debut album is about as country as it gets. Uh, Yeehaw, as I would say. Very yeehaw. Uh, the twang, everything. You know, she's from Pennsylvania. She's like, what if I had a twang in my voice? <laughs> and very much country. I would say fearless. Starts to step into country pop sounds. Still very much country, though. Dips the toes in the um, pool. Think about it. Songs like Forever and Always, Love Story, You Belong With Me. Then Speak Now is a album it was totally written by her. I would say it's definitely more a country rock. It's like, yeah, country very, rock, pop. Yeah. It's got a little bit of everything for everyone. Um, it's a very different sound, but it's Taylor at this point, she really wanted to start writing pop music. One thing about, which is really awful about women in the music industry is they constantly feel as if they need to reinvent themselves in order to stay relevant. And I'm not saying Taylor didn't want to, but it's definitely something that she felt like she had to do as well. So around the time that she's writing Red in like 2011, she gets in contact with producer by the name of Max Martin. Max Martin, Max Martin has written and produced a ton of pop songs around that time. One notable one that comes to my mind, I think, is Call Me Maybe. So that's about the epitome of 2012 pop. He works with Taylor on songs that she's writing for Red. We're never ever going to get back together. I Knew You Were Trouble, 22, Message in a Bottle, The Very First Night, stuff like that. However, um, her record label at the time, Big Machine, absolutely refused to let Taylor release Red as a pop record. So they only allowed her to have three songs on the album that were pop songs, which ended up being We're Never Getting Back Together, I Knew You Were Trouble, and 22. The rest of the album aired more on the side of acoustics and country in air quotes, I say, because Red itself is not, it's as, not much as, super... as much as they want to say it's a, it was a country album, it is not. The twang is pretty much gone. The twang gone. has left the building. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the twang, twang has left the chat. She releases a country record. A lot of people criticized Red at the time because it did have elements of country and pop, and there's a lot going on. With her next era, which would be 1989, she said, no, I'm doing a pop album. That is how we got what has been critically acclaimed as the defining pop album of the 2010s. She worked with producers like Max Martin, also the wonderful Jack Antonoff, who is an icon and we adore him very much. I would say from then on, she definitely airs in the side of pop until recently. Recently, she's really getting um, like more folksy. Uh, yeah, now with Folklore and Evermore, she's definitely dabbled in folk 
soft rock is what I've heard it described as. Lumineers type yeah, music. I you know. um that kind of encapsulates what her transition has been like. It definitely came through resistance from her record label because Big Machine was founded in Nashville. It's a country record label. A lot of people said that she couldn't do it, but I know she looked up to artists like Dolly Parton and Shania Twain because they both successfully crossed from country into pop. So I think that I think that's that. <laughs> Thank you. That was incredibly informative. I, again, as a Taylor Swift novice, it's a lot of information you need to take in about this this woman's very storied career. Oh, yes, of course. We're going to have our, all our listening parties in that. It'll be, it'll be great. I just have a question for you guys who have been probably following these transitions a lot more closely. Did you have a specific era of her her music her genre bending that you prefer the most did you kind of have any pushback when she was changing to one versus the other i don't think so i mean i've been listening to Taylor swift my whole life i have her debut album on cd i got for my sixth birthday so you know, oh nice hilarious that is yeah, very cool lifelong fan i'd probably say my favorite era though is probably the evermore folklore era just because that's just more of the music I listen to. I mean, I listen to all of her music, but those mm. are definitely my favorites. To be honest, I've been listening to Taylor Swift my entire life, but I'm definitely a super fan much more recently than I was when I was younger because I kind of fell into the... I was always scared of being judged because that's how I was as a person. I tended to avoid it in high school, but when I got to be like an adult, I definitely fell in love. And like outwardly, I would say my favorite era is definitely 1989 because it's the one I remember most when I was in high school, and I really enjoyed it all. I adore it, but I would say Pot Taylor is my favorite. I remember vividly having a conversation with one of my teachers on, on the bus somewhere, and he goes, Garrett, no matter what song is playing, whatever song you're listening to, no matter how good it is on the radio, do you ever get just the slightest twinge that you need to change the station because somewhere on some other station, Blank Space might be playing? <laughs> and... <laughs> I think that Absolutely. sums my relationship up with 1989 really well. <laughs> it's the one that I return to the most, I think, of hers. Right on. Very insightful. I know we're, we're just going to keep going. The next one's 1989, right? The next uh, re-release? Probably the next not, actually. Will probably end up being Speak Now because 1989 is having like a lawsuit right yes, now. Yes, that's actually an important huh. note. Is right now, Taylor Swift is being sued by, I don't remember who, but say... They sued her over a line in the song, uh, Shake It Off. That line is, player's gonna play. And there's this rapper, I think, that sued her for it. Good luck. Um, I mean, I don't genuinely believe the lawsuit will go anywhere, but it's halted 1989 from being released, mm. even if it's done. She's pointed to Speak Now a few times now, so my guess would be it'd probably be Speak Now. But then again, Taylor's always doing the opposite of what everyone thinks she will do, so right. there's that. <laughs> yeah, she'll be like, actually, debut... Who knows? Maybe she'll drop one in the middle of the night. Keep us on our toes. <laughs> exactly. But how about we move on over to Save the Rec Center? Let's do it. Now it's time to Save the Rec Center, where we give you our weekly recommendations. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. So please don't think I'm a local when I say this, because <laughs> I feel like this, this is really basic. But over the past year, I've definitely become obsessed with this Netflix show, and it's pretty well known so i don't know why i'm saying it like it's like something it's no this little thing you'd never heard uh, of um <laughs> but um the crown specifically because i'm the world's biggest history nerd i desperately love it i think it's a really good retelling of a lot of things that have happened during queen elizabeth ii's reign 
and it's like really real about it so i appreciate it and it kind of calls them out even though they're all still alive most of them are still alive so i think it's really funny but I, i really enjoy it and if you like things history and you like learning about history that's not super far off but also like far enough off that there's enough to talk about i would say it's a good thing to watch and the new season comes out next year so very excited i have heard nothing but incredible things about it Uh, garrett i think you might have rex entered the crown on this show before i have in fact rex entered the crown on the show before i'm quite a crown fan and i too like dunking on the british royal family so i I might tune into that we were just talking about taylor's eras do you have a favorite crown era do you have a favorite elizabeth um i would say the sec like the second one Um, olivia coleman academy award winner olivia coleman God bless her. Also, I love her. The second, the second Philip is very, um, very attractive. Just want to say that. <laughs> so, um, I, I, Makes I, it much I, easier to watch if there's hot people. Lord Edinmuir yeah. himself from Game of Thrones, an actor who whose name I should actually know. He's also the guy <laughs> that gets replaced by Tanner after Casino Royale. Seamus. Oh, nice. Oh, okay, I know exactly Tobias, who you're talking. Tobias Menzies, I think his name is. Ooh, Good. nice. Pulling yeah. that out of nowhere. That's mine. <laughs> what about you, Grace? I want to be a weeb on the main, and I want to recommend Demon Slayer. Um, <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, season one is already like completely done, and season two is just airing right now. They're doing season two in two arcs. They're doing a retelling because like the movie came out like last spring. Um, so doing a retelling of the movie with added scenes that they had to cut time purposes, added scenes and like more songs, which the soundtrack so good. It's an anime about this 14, 15 year old. His entire family slaughtered by demons. His sister turned into a demon. And then he goes on this quest to, he's trying to turn her back into a person. And along the way, he picks up these two other Demon Slayer buddies who have gone through the same training he has, becoming better swordsmen and trying to heal his little sister. It's a really good show. Even if you're not like huge into anime, like I haven't watched any other anime other than this one. And I cannot recommend it enough. The animation's beautiful. It's not as one-dimensional, I feel like, as some hero versus bad guy films or TV shows. Such a tearjerker. I cry every time I watch it. I actually started that one with my girlfriend. We watched just the first episode, and we weren't super taken with it, but I think I'm willing to give it another shot on your you own, your personal it, like, recommendation. It isn't such a huge time commitment like other animes are. I was like, oh my gosh, you used to watch My Hero or Naruto, and it's like 600 episodes. I'm like, I am not catching up with that. There is no yeah. way. <laughs> Those are both like, so daunting. Think, yeah, it's like maybe 30 episodes at this point, which is not that bad. An easy watch, 20 minutes an episode. Not bad, not bad. I have been very swiftly falling in love with Ted Lasso. I binged like a season and a half of it over a weekend, and I think it might be the best show I've seen in a long time. It's entirely hilarious. I think that there's a great market that's untapped of like nice comedy i feel like so much of the comedy that's very popular is like it's always sunny in philadelphia style like everyone is terrible always and don't get me wrong i do love that but ted lasso is such a shift away from something like that and even the characters that i thought i was going to hate with an annoying passion like not even like the fun kind of hate i thought i was just going to dislike them 
they fully come around for whatever reason, character arcs or writing or whatever. It's just so well done. I would get my own Apple TV just for that show, maybe, because it is it is so good. It's emotional whiplash. I straight up cried watching Ted Lasso the other day. It's a show about soccer, man. It shouldn't be that deep, but it, it <laughs> destroyed me. It made me so unbelievably emotional. That's the thing that's, I think, especially wonderful about season one is that there is so much depth and genuine heart to each of the characters and that even though it's like quote-unquote nice comedy these characters are facing very real emotional Mm. stakes that really flesh out the experience of watching that show where do you fall on season two it's been pretty divisive i'm liking it so far i i I think i'm still uh, on the early side of season two yeah well i'm glad to know you're enjoying it because i know i was a little let down by season two but overall i still thought it was very solid wait is season three out or is coming out or oh, is mercy, not? no season two just finished dude oh god i haven't been caught up with a real tv show in years this is going to be torture <laughs> and they release week to week oh no we're gonna have cute little ted lasso watch parties seamus we're gonna oh, grow our mustaches yes. out oh we're gonna, hell we're gonna yeah bake little cookies it's gonna be good stuff. I'm gonna I'm gonna give a damn about soccer. Maybe I'm still lear- I'm learning soccer through this show, and there's not a lot of soccer in it. Round us out, Garrett. What do you got this week? The last couple weeks, I have been casually watching. It's a CNN series about the history of late night, and it's called oh. the story of late night. And it goes all the way back, like pre Carson, to the founding of the Tonight Show back in the fifties. It's just a really fascinating look at how, as the culture shifts, late night entertainment adapts to it. Mm. And that's something I've kind of always been fascinated by and been thinking about a lot lately. I've been thinking about this a lot during the pandemic specifically. Ten years ago, Jimmy Fallon used to rule the world. He was so funny and (laughs) he was like on the edge of what late night could be and doing crazy stuff. And I remember like when he was on After Leno and he used to have the Muppets on and lip sync battle and everything. Compared to Jimmy Fallon now, who I just can't stand doing the same thing for 10 years, and he's just annoying. (laughs) What culturally has to happen to facilitate shifts like that? And that's questions that this show is really interested in. So it talks about the early guys like Parr, it going into Carson. It talks about Arsenio, Letterman, the Mm. late night wars, Leno, Conan. There's been a criminal lack of discussion of Craig Ferguson. He's been mentioned literally once, which makes me upset. Oh, man. Wait, is this a series or a movie? It's a miniseries. It's like, it's a documentary series. So they have most of these guys in interviews. They've got Conan, they've got Leno, they've got all the guys from behind the scenes. It's just a really fascinating look at that world, and I'm almost done with it. I think I have one episode left. I have found it really engaging and really interesting. Right on. I'm going to check that out. I I love that old late-night stuff. That's very cool. Yeah, that wraps us up for this week's episode of Pop Culture Reference. Thank you so much, Grayson Maverick, for coming on the show and educating us about Taylor Swift and Red. Do you have any social media or anything else to plug at at the end here? I mean, if you want to find me on social media, you can usually Grace Angeline 2000 is my Instagram. My Twitter is Grace A. Foyt. No one knows how to spell Foyt. It's F-E-U-C-H-T. My Twitter is at MaverickT23. Um, and my Instagram is at MaverickVille underscore. So... You know, really original names here. Yes, truly. I mean, I mean, I'm so happy it's not something stupid. Like, can you make your social medias in middle school? 
If you want to reach this show, though, you can hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at PCR underscore podcast. If you want to reach the show directly with any questions or comments, you can email popculturereferencepod at gmail.com. And you can find us on YouTube and Facebook by just searching Pop Culture Reference, and you can give us a like and subscribe there. Next week, we're doing the premiere of Hawkeye on Disney+. Plus. God knows how that's going to go. I'm kind of really excited for it. I'm excited but... for canonically deaf Hawkeye. I want to see how they yeah. use that. What up? Let's do it, finally. But I know I'll talk to you two about that for sure when it comes out. But we'll have you both on the show again soon. And thank you again. Yes, thanks for having thank us you. on. Sorry if we were annoying. No, no, you were perfect. Thank you so much. Adios, amigos. Adios, amigos.